You are listening to the, the Average Lounge, Lounge Podcast. Podcast, your source for everything iRacing, including driver interviews, race reviews, rumors, opinions, and much more. And here's your host, Mike Ellis and Sim Racing Chewy Side. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Chewy Side 55 Carlos Fonseca and Brad Wren. How you doing, guys? Doing good, Mike. All right. Uh, no special guest uh, this week. We have a couple feelers out for some people, so stay tuned for that. And uh, the Peak Race Antifreeze Series, uh, next race is coming up here this Wednesday night, I believe, at Chicagoland. So uh, we'll be talking about that next time around. And the uh, like we said last time, the World uh, Grand Prix on their summer break, and then the Blanc Pond won't pick back up until July, as far as the uh, endurance racing. Too hot to race, I guess. Yeah, well, I imagine just like the uh, you know the peaks come off their summer break, I'm sure the Grand Prix guys are, are happy for a break. Yep. Uh, no break for the NASCAR boys. We went uh, road racing. Uh, week started off with uh, a, a Twitter from a real race car driver. Uh, Brad, tell us what you did there. Well, after uh, spending a couple nights completely frustrated with Sonoma, I started to think that this just can't be this bad in real life. <laughs> so decided to uh, send Timmy Hill a tweet, and uh, since he's run a few races there, and uh, see what he thought. And um, he pretty much confirmed what I what I thought, but. You know, I still think it is a pretty greasy place. Yeah, he said, uh, I think there is too much tire spin and sliding around on the sim. It's not that way in real life. Yeah, but then, um, you know, seeing some interviews from some of the cup guys, I mean, a lot of them did talk about just some of the things we dealt with, too. That You know, you can you can break the tires loose, you know, just getting up through the gears, and there's multiple times where they're never getting full throttle either, so... Um, I think it's probably a little exaggerated to what we dealt with this week, and especially, you know, with the fixed setup being what it was. I think the major problem is heat. Once you get one tire heated up just a little more than it should be, it just becomes miserable. Yeah, and I think that's the overall issue with this current tire model. Um, you know, that's been some discussion on the forums just with the the variance with the um you know, with weather and temperature, you know, between sessions, and as soon as it gets hot, the tire just doesn't—it just doesn't seem to to handle the heat in the oh, track guys. at all. I say, speaking of heat, I think uh, it was me and Jose did the Friday night open, 126 degree track temp. Oh my gosh! What? 126 degree track temp, 90 some here. Yeah, there's a big discussion. We're actually getting into that later about the weather. But what Brad was saying, there was a kind of a side discussion that was going on with the tire fall off is more than what it should be is what a lot of people were saying, uh, including I think Tyler Hudson was weighing in on that conversation, too. I don't know. I was watch, watching that race yesterday. You saw how much they fall off, but I think we just have slightly too much. Well, well you know, Eric Hudak is gone. Remember my favorite uh, iRacing employee? He left and went to Real Richard Childress Racing. I wonder if we're seeing any signs of, you know, somebody not minding the boat here. Well, I guess from reading the forums, I guess we're getting close to, what, Tire Model 7 or something. Is I guess, what, what David's working on. So, um, I don't know. You know, I, I think I said numerous times it just felt like I was running on bicycle tires. You know, it just there's there's was no grip at all. I mean, it's just the car was you just could not get the car to plant no matter what you did. Yeah. So uh, talking about Sonoma, Sears Point, Infineon, Northern San Francisco, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, watch the uh, NASCAR race, the real one, Tony Stewart. <clears throat> Uh, last lap pass, last corner pass. Boy, he uh, drove it in there and just really T-boned Denny Hamlin. And uh, 
really pushed him right up into the wall and went on to win the race. And what do you guys think of that? And I was thinking about iRacing and I was thinking, man, is that a protestable offense? You know, would Tony Stewart get protested? And what would Nim Cross think of that particular incident? So I just thought I'd throw that out and see what you guys think. Um, considering that, you know, four corners before that, Denny drove it in too hot and, yep. and, and pushed Tony out of the way. Um, Tip for tap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Denny went in that corner and left, he left the bottom open. And if you can leave the bottom open to someone who's as hungry as he was, uh, you know, he knew it was coming. He, he knew it was coming. Yeah. And everyone knew, I mean, we knew, I'm sure that you and I oh, and yeah. Carlos all knew that if he, if Denny would have kept it against the tires and kept the inside lane, he was going to win that race. Yep. Yeah, because not even a shove there would have mattered because you saw, I think I saw it earlier in the race. Someone gave, I think it was Truex, someone gave him a bump and actually boosted him out of that corner. So, yeah, I don't know. Hamlin shouldn't have thrown it in there and hit Stewart the first time and he wouldn't have been wrecked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and even, you know, watching what Denny did, I mean, I know the two races I ran, it's it's very easy to do that. You, get, you want to get in there nice and hot. You want to try to carry as much speed to that corner and you lock up the fronts and the car just won't turn. Oh know? yeah. We've all done it. Oh God. I, this guy's all over me. I got to get in nice and deep. Yeah. Speaking yeah, of you overdrive and you're done. And, and, you know, and when we get into, you know, talking about our, you know, even our own races from Sonoma, I mean, the place has gotten so limited with where you can pass that that's, Really, the only thing you can do is you've got to run somebody hard into 11 and hope that they'll do that to where you can get underneath them. Yeah. Well, I'll start off with uh, my race was very bad. Uh, it's going to be a drop week for sure. I think it was in 2015 uh, as well. I just suck at Sonoma. I'm, I can do okay at Watkins Glen, it seems like, but Sonoma, I just I can't. And the first race... Wow, I had bad stuttering issues for the first time in forever, uh, where on screen I'm getting like literal, you know, stutters, uh, especially on the last turn. And if, if there was smoke up ahead, that was another problem. And then I was watching my FPS, and it was really low frames per second. Uh, couple that with, you know, I just suck, I spun off and a couple times, and uh, I did two stops, a lot of other people did one. Uh, I finished 21st. Uh, I think 24th in the uh, the next night, and it was just another bad finish. You know, same thing. But I did turn down a lot of the graphics problems and solve my uh, my stuttering problem just by lowering the graphics. So I don't know if it's just a, a problem with this particular track or what. Um, I noticed it a little bit, you know, more intensive here. Um, you know, than I have. I mean, even running a few GT3 races this week with full fields and, and no issues and then get into Sonoma and, you know, was down on frames per second uh, quite a bit. But I didn't have as much of the stuttering issues as you did a little bit last night, but not too bad. I would yeah. always get some on lap two. Lap two is your problem? Yeah, it just never made sense. It's over, I've been noticing that all week by lap two, it would give me a stutter for at least three of four corners and then it'd go away and I never experience it ever again. Hmm. Yeah, mine was early. Was early, you know, and once everybody started to get spread out, it it was fine after that. My thing about Sonoma and the road courses with these NASCAR races is we need full course caution occasionally. Just to mix these up. Some kind of random thing. We know iRacing can build it if they wanted to. But you know what? Once you spin off or make a mistake you cannot make that time up on those people, you know, it's the, unless they make the same mistake, you know, because there's no cautions. And it makes it quite different from the NASCAR race we were watching on TV this week because they got a caution, you know, and they did bunch the field up. And those people that were 20 seconds back are now, you know, four car lengths away, you know. Well, I just don't know how, I don't know how you do it and have it be, you know, consistent i mean we we deal with this on the ovals to where we've had you know multiple cars go spinning you know back at i guess talladega i mean had cars you know airborne on the backstretch and never get a yellow so now transfer that over to the roadside how are you going to manage if it's you know is it because someone goes in the fence someone goes in the gravel trap what what do you do it's not just 
you know, for NIS, I mean, I think if you're going to do cautions on road courses, you've got to do it across the board. And I just don't think that the the software can can determine what's a legit caution, unless you're just going to throw in some random number for a caution. And I don't want that either. Might as well make it the truck series, right? No, but like if somebody wrecks off and they're in a gravel trap or something for X amount of seconds, boom, you know. I say yep. if a car flips. I mean, well, yeah. there, I, we all know it can be done, but you're right. You, somebody would have to sit down and write all those what ifs and those rules. And yeah, it's probably a ton of work. But I'm just saying, from my point of view, I don't feel like I'm racing the same thing I'm watching on TV because I don't have those opportunities to. I mean, the reason Tony Stewart won that race was because of cautions. Okay. He pitted before the caution came out. Caution came out. Everyone pitted. He ended up in the front. If if it was iRacing, Tony Stewart would have never won that race. Oh, I agree. I mean, I, I agree 100%. Um, you know, I just, I, I don't know what the, the cure is. Um, it's know, hard. It, it is. I mean, I, <clears throat> I think about, you know, the, the roadside. And, I mean, you take like the, the Blancpain Sprint Series, the 40-minute race. I mean, you got to start up front. And the only thing you can do is play a little bit of pit strategy because you know you got to pit. Um, but it's, it's really, it's about when on the roadside, it's about qualifying well and starting up front because you've got to run a clean race. If you make a mistake, you're, you're done on that side. I just, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. I just, I don't know what's the best way to handle it. Um, I mean, I guess in hosted, can you turn cautions on for road courses? No. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... I don't know. Maybe you can, and you can throw your own. I'm not sure. I, yeah, I mean, I know you can throw your own. I just, I mean, it's, I don't know. It, I, I just for live live officials is really the only way to make this work. Yeah, and you know, I mean, you look at the roadside. I mean, I wish that when you get a local caution on the roadside, that people would adhere to it, and they don't adhere to that. So, I mean, it's just as bad to where you do get a local yellow. And, you know, if me, if I'm driving, I'm, you know, I see a local yellow, I'm preparing for a car to be somewhere around that corner. So I'm slowing down and here comes the guy behind me. He's just using his opportunity to get past me. Yep. How do you officiate that? Or even, you know, enforce the blue flag. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if it is enforceable. I, I guess it could be. Yeah. I just... You know, I, I agree. You know, we we're never going to see the races. I mean, but then again, Mike, at the same time, the, those two, two of those cautions were questionable the NASCAR threw. Yeah. Yeah. A spring rubber. Come on. At, a, at, what, at what appeared to be a rag. I mean, why are we throwing a yellow for a spring rubber? Right. The, the freaking curbs were doing more damage than what a piece of little tiny debris would do. I know. I know. Like I said, it's just... Uh, uh, I'd like to see it. I just don't know how it gets implemented without causing even more issues. I see if a car starts barrel rolling, maybe that'll be a, I don't know, somehow detect that. Well, like I said, it's, they, you know, for a while, like for years, I think the cautions were too sensitive on ovals. Now there's to the point where they're not sensitive enough at times. So, but, um, Going into my results, uh, open race Wednesday night, uh, got to finish 11th, um, really went into this week expecting to do horrible, um, and probably, you know, drove real gingerly Wednesday night, um, but, you know, got a good finish, 11th I was happy with, uh, managed to finish the race. With that is a good run. Yeah, I mean, no incidents at all, um, you know, did the two-pit strategy, um, that's the same strategy the leaders were doing, so, um that worked. There was a bunch of guys that did tried the one stop, but for the most part, you know, we started to run them back down because of tires um, towards the end of the race. Um, didn't run my fix until last night. Ended up with a tenth, so happy with that. Had planned to do the two pitch strategy again, but leaders, I guess, were on a different schedule. And at lap 21, leaders started pitting, so I said, "Well, I guess we're doing two 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 stops." So I pitted. Well. Needless to say, they didn't anymore, so ended up running 34 laps on the same set of tires. And, uh, man, it was a handful by the end of the race. But um, I started to 
feel a little bit like Carlos last night. The the further I got into the race, the more I was enjoying the track. Um, so I'm, I'm actually looking forward to, to, to running here again next year. Um, you know, last night was good again. No off tracks at all. Ended up with one 4X, and that was just due to the early accordion going into uh, turn 11. Um, but, you know, I, to come away with an 11th and a 10th, I'm happy. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't think I ever... I think last week I said I was gonna gonna enjoy Sonoma. I did not enjoy it at all. What or, happened, not, man? You were you were so gung ho and and just as happy I to was. get here as anybody. So here you got a like, top five though. I did get a top five and open, Sorry. but fixed. I don't know. Seventeenth and fixed. Yeah, that split. Telling you, it's tough. So you ended up in top split, and uh, were there a bunch of road ringers in there? Oh, well, yeah, like three pros. You had Kenny Humpy in there. You had uh, Ray Alfala, all these really Logan Clampett, you had all these fast guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like Wednesday night, it was tough because I don't think there was, what, about 150 people registered. So those were, you know, I was, I think, second split. But even the guys I was in, I mean, there were quick guys in there. So it's it's hard, especially with on, you know, when we run the road races, the turnout is considerably down. So depending on where you are with I-rating, like Carlos, you know, he's up at 38-something. So he, he's immediately getting thrown in the top split. And that's tough. I was at 4,000. That Sonoma took me down to 38 after having, what was it, a 27th, I think, in one of the fixed races, all because of a blown motor. That's another thing, not a lot of attrition. No, and that that's really surprised me. I expected to see more attrition, and I didn't. Yeah. Right. I think in previous years, I've actually gotten halfway decent results by attrition and to surviving and let other people wreck out. That, that didn't happen at all this time, it seemed like. And the other thing I noticed that that kind of goes along with that, it's like it, it seemed in previous years it was like, more of these oval it was like the oval people that were in here and they were the ones causing the attrition but this year it didn't seem like that it seems like everybody had was could could race you know and did, if you kept it on the track you were going to get a good result yeah i was I actually should have ran last night with uh brad i think matt was uh gonna run that race too and i should have done that because i finally figured this track out it took me all week to get what these fast guys are doing but i figured figure that crap out and it involves a lot of first gear because when it does it it helps you slow the car down even more getting into the braking zones and it lets the car roll more yeah yeah i, I mean that's what i was doing at the beginning of the week but i just couldn't control the car you know yeah, you gotta, that's where yeah, i was having all the issues getting out of the corners and yeah, you got to be real careful on the gas Late into the round, though, I don't know how them fast guys are doing that still. Still running first gear, I don't understand how they can do that. 25 laps on tires. Yeah, I don't know, because, I mean, literally, once you get towards about six or seven laps, you know, I guess it was around 20, about 25 laps until run, man. I mean, it was just so greasy. Big drop-off in time, too. Yeah. Doing, like, 120s at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, even further, you know, I mean, I got to the end of 34 laps, and I was still running 120, so I was happy with that with my time there. But, you know, I was nowhere as quick as those guys were at the beginning of a run either. Yep. Hey, still, with those 120s, you were doing better than I was, say, in middle of the week, because I would get only at about 15, 20 laps, and I'd be running like 121s. So I couldn't figure out where. Well, no, I mean, it's, you know, like I said, last night was, you know, I got through that first pit stop and I, I just started to become a lot more confident with the car. Um, and, and I realized that you, you have to get aggressive here. And I just wasn't being aggressive enough like on Wednesday. And, um, you know, the, as I got more aggressive, my, my time kept coming down and I, you know, it just, I got better with the car. So, but uh, going on to some other team results. Um, Brad Miller uh, had a 23rd open, had a 17th and fixed. Um, yeah, he Brian. runs about like I do at these road courses. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, some He's some an of oval us, guy. Yeah, there are, some of us are just oval guys. 
Um, Brian Cozier's again. He's you know he's on his summer break for for race, racing for real. Well, uh, he might be back because his last <laughs> race he rolled his car or something, and the whole right side is uh, needs to be rebuilt. So he might be uh, coming back. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I saw some pictures, and he's got quite a bit of damage. So uh, <clears throat> Jose Pabon had a good open, finished sixth and eleventh and eleventh and sixth. So good job, Jose. Oh, you should have heard his rant after that race. Uh, he would have been fourth place with that, you know, an open because he had a great run going, and a lap car ended up getting in his way and holding him off, and made two guys catch up to him, pass him. Yeah, that was a struggle every race. I mean, I just. I don't understand guys that are laps down, especially on a road course that just won't move. And I got yeah, stuck behind a few of them. them. I know. I got stuck behind a couple of them last night and just watched guys drive away because you couldn't get past. You only got two opportunities to get around somebody, yep. you know, really. And just, I mean, I watched, you know, I watched the eighth and ninth guy, ninth place guy just drive away because I'm stuck behind a guy that's in 25th place. You know, I would get it if they're, like, racing for a position, but some sometimes you see these guys, 25th, and the next guy's, like, ninth, you know, two laps apart, and he's, like, racing him like he's gonna, like it's gonna matter. Yep. So, Jonas took the week off, obviously. Uh, Matt Boley, another had a good run, had an 11th and open, and uh 8th and fixed, and for a guy that only is gonna get one start a week, he, yeah. uh, he definitely he capitalized this week. Uh, Dave Smith had a good week, uh, fourth and open, and a seventh and fixed. And uh, wow. Kyle Fleischman uh, was the winner this week, got a second and open, and won his fixed race. So oh. awesome, awesome job, Kyle. Um, I know the first night, I guess, open, man, he was pretty frustrated because he ran the same night we did. Yeah, he wrecked that early, I think, that race. And I was thinking, oh, he must be an oval guy. But then he comes away from the week with a win. I didn't even realize he won. Yep. And uh, Jeff Walton was was took a week off to got a new job. I know he's spending a bunch of time working. So, um, you know, a mixed bag, you know, for the left and rights of uh, Sonoma. So, well, I gotta say, Jose most improved. You know, a year ago, even two years ago, Jose was was you know not much of a road course racer, but he really has picked up his road course side That's really cool. well, doing all these blank pains and different things yep. with Carlos. Uh, what do you think, Carlos? He he stepped it up. Well, the whole pedals deal, too, that he has and the wheel, I think he's really helped him out. But, yeah, he's been running a lot of the GT3s, even though they're completely different cars. He's yeah, been improving. Yeah, but it's 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 seat time, and it doesn't yeah, matter if, it, if it's a cup car or a GT3 or a Skippy. You know, the, the, more, Apex, time, yeah. Yeah, the more time you spend running road, the better you're going to be. It translates over. Yep. You can tell in his results on the road course side that he's really picked it up. Uh, yeah, and if you, I mean, if you look at the the points, man, he's starting to climb in the points in both both divisions. I mean, in both series. So it's uh, I'm glad to see Jose starting to turn the season around. Yeah, and Kyle, man, big surprise there, and congratulations. Yep. So we're on to uh, Daytona week. <clears throat> Daytona Yay! Week. So. Uh, Am I going to be competitive? I hope uh, so. So uh, this will be the third week of the year that I am miserable just because I hate plate racing. So and it's full length again, yay! Full length, okay. Now I don't like that part. Again, you know that's what I have to say about that. Yep. At least too it's many miles. times. Uh, <clears throat> at least it's a hundred miles shorter than the five hundred. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, it'll go green at some point and. I'm looking forward to this. You know, I, I'm always, I, I told my team earlier this week, we were talking about Daytona. I, I was just like, you know, I feel anxious and nervous. I usually run good at these plate tracks, but I, but when, you know, the, the week before or the days before the race, I'm nervous. Am I going to run good or am I going to go there and look like crap like I did at Sonoma, you know? And so I have that kind of anxious thing going on. Um, my wife thinks I'm crazy. She thinks it's a video game. But actually, you know, these are real emotions. Well, I mean, I'm anxious and nervous just because it's four races a year where you have no control over your race. And I said before, when it comes to, to controlling my race, I want to be in control when I don't like having someone else be in complete control of, of my finish in my race. Yeah, I'm excited for it. So uh, we'll, 
I'm looking forward to it. Carlos, you want to fill us in on how the team did for the uh, six hours that Glenn this past week? Crap. Um, yeah. <laughs> Let me get something here real quick. What was I talking about? Six hours of the Glen. I don't think oh, we had right. a good finish, did we? Oh, no. We had a decent finish in one of the teams, but I got... Well, with me and Brad Miller, we ran a first, you know, the first Corvette that we got. I don't know what split it was, but... Yeah, we went for a tumble. Flipped like eight times or something like that. Got destroyed by a GT3 who lost it. Slammed right into me and just killed the car. I, me and Brad decided to quit right there. And then on the other side, with Matt and uh, William, one of our, uh, you know onboard guys that just jumped with us you know after the 24 hour race and uh let's see they were doing all right they're actually just as fast as the leaders most of the race and matt ended up getting frustrated by he wrecked the car like twice it's just you know him he just got frustrated and you know we're trying to tell him just don't feel bad about it because i did i freaking destroyed the car my side and i don't know where they finished oh no they finished uh Eighth in class, surprisingly, 18 laps down, but they still finished pretty decently, despite having the whole car torn to pieces. And the other one didn't finish. And Kyle and Dave ran, like, one of those uh, splits that ran, like, at an odd hour at night. And they were texting us what happened in their race, and it was an odd story from memory here. It was like they wrecked out, and they left the sim for a while and they decided to come back and and they got back in and drove back to eighth or something i don't know crazy story yeah i didn't i didn't actually i don't remember seeing any of that so uh, i guess i missed that so yeah uh, an eventful weekend uh i did not participate in that but sounds like uh there's a lot of action yeah, so we had planned to originally planned to run a GZ3 car, but between Jose and I, we couldn't get our schedules <laughs> to work out. So that's one of the hardest parts is getting the schedule done, and it's like herding cats, like I always say. So, all right, uh, next up, uh, we talked about Ricky Lumpkin from the NFL last week um, when there was an article of him talking about iRacing and how he loves it, and he does it all the time in his off time every day. <clears throat> well, another story came out since then uh, from NESNFuel.com where he actually posted a picture of his rig, uh, of his racing setup with the computer, the cockpit. He's got an Obutto uh, cockpit. He's got triple monitors. Uh, looks like 24s or 27s. I've got a, uh, a tablet, uh, some nice wheel and pedal keyboard, and a desktop computer. Now, am I the only one being driven nuts by the screens being not angled enough? Well, I think that's why I posted this because I always uh, like to pick on people because of the FOV isn't right. And this is the perfect example of it. I mean, the, the center screen is looks like two feet from the steering wheel. I mean, you got to get that thing up in your face, people. The center screen has to be as close to your face as you can stand it. Yep, and he's got a nice 80-20 uh, triple monitor stand, so there's no reason to he can't pull that thing up. Oh, yeah, and then the angle on the side monitors is obviously wrong. It's almost flat, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. You know, I know, he's a big guy. He's a defensive lineman for the NFL. I mean, I understand that, but still... A lot of people don't understand triples. They buy it, they spend the money on it, they set it up, they think they're cool beans, but you know what? You're not using it right. You know, learn about it, use it right. Absolutely. So, And he had actually, um, I saw seen a post the other day, I guess had posted a picture of maybe either his, I guess, nephew or son or something, about seven years old, was, was actually turning some laps on his rig, so that was pretty neat. Yeah. And we love, uh, you know, obviously his spirit and him promoting iRacing and stuff. Uh, but, I, I, you know, my if Ricky, you're out there listening, hey, give me a call. I'll help you out with that FOV, and we'll get you set up. But uh, you got to move that uh, stand a little closer to you. Yep. And apparently um, Will Vincent, I believe, is with, uh, I think, Ray Spot. Is that right? He's the U.K. announcer, yeah, for one of the broadcasters. Yeah, made a, a trip across the uh, the ocean and uh, 
has apparently visited our racing headquarters and um there was a video posted on the forum of uh of him harassing uh ceo uh david kramer so and apparently there's some uh, it's a pretty funny video but apparently there's there's more to come so um keep an eye out for those yeah it's just kind of a fun video i i thought it was interesting a couple things was He's in David's office, and you get to see the CEO's office and the co-founder of iRacing. It's just, uh, you know, a typical office, you know, and uh, he, he has a typical uh, uh, setup, you know, a desk and a computer. The other interesting thing is there's a whiteboard on the wall behind him on in his office, and, uh, you know, it looks like he's the physics professor with all the formulas and calculations and different things I see written on that whiteboard. I'm like, well, boy, that is uh, that must be the uh, tire model formula calculation stuff. Might be, or it could be recipe for you know a cake. <laughs> All right, so that was kind of uh, fun. Uh, another fun video that came across on YouTube was a uh, a team called R70 Team put up a Requiem for a Driver, they called it, which is basically a, a really cool-looking uh, video featuring road course racing on iRacing. And uh, it's very good production, you know, put to music, uh, very great imagery. It looks like an iRacing commercial, um, but it's not put out by iRacing, obviously a private individual, but uh, really nice-looking video. Uh, he's got 883 views so far. Um, he, uh, the YouTube account is called R70 Team. So check that out and uh, if you like that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's amazing how much, um, you know, there's just some really talented people that can do stuff with the videos and in this community. Um, you know, I mean, that one is, is really good. And there's other ones that are just, you know, it's just... I don't have the patience to sync up music to the videos. I mean, some of these guys just get it to where it's perfect. Yeah, and that one was one of them. I mean, I was impressed for sure. I think oh, I, I, was... I racing, uh, you know, uh, either promoted it on their Facebook or iRacing page, but it was just one of uh, you know the iRacing members from the Spanish community who did it. Yeah, I mean, you get done watching it if you're not a little pumped up to go jump on a road car out on something wrong with you right so just as a reminder um the 25 percent off uh, membership renewal is still in effect and will be good for three more days so through the 30th yep. so thirsty uh, don't forget to take advantage of it um you know on the main page of the uh the website is is all the code so from a two year down to one month it's 25 percent off across the board so don't forget yeah, and still I've seen nothing about the 50% deal they usually run in July. There's been no word of it at all. I've been watching. So I I suggest, uh, I agree with Brad, you know, take advantage if you can. Yeah, like I said, my guess is that, if, you know, whatever they do around Black Friday will probably still be 25% off. So God, go ahead and grab it now if you need to. All right, so next up we had a release notes. For Season 3, Patch 1, they call it. Um, and uh, a few things that got fixed here. Uh, Oculus Rift needed some help. with the, They had no virtual mirror, so they put that in. So uh, <clears throat> fixed those Oculus Rift guys. They also fixed uh, some kind of DirectX 11 issue where uh, it was missing external car shadow volumes and an issue where FrameWake frame rate could drop dramatically if you had particle effects at night tracks. Now, Brad, you were uh, you had actually brought this to their attention, I believe, right? Yeah, I had made numerous, uh, I think about, took about three different posts in the forum to finally get some attention from the developers, but um, the issue that I've been dealing with ever switching, switching to DX11 was that um, it running a, a track at night, so it really popped up at Kansas to where any time a car got in the grass, if I had the particle set at medium or high, um, my frames would just crash. I mean, literally down to about 20 frames per second, the GPU meter and everything would just peg to solid red. And what was odd was it didn't matter where I was on the track, so I could be on the backstretch and 
my frames would drop and that was telling me that somebody was spinning through the grass. Um, as soon as I went back to low, no issues and didn't have the problem with DX9. So um, finally reported it and got a response from them that apparently in DX11 it was just pretty much flat broken is what he was what I was told. So uh, they got it fixed and um, you know it was fixed in the last patch. And as soon as I downloaded the patch, I went out and tested it and silky smooth and, and no issues. So very happy. Happy about that. I'm just finally glad that I didn't. I felt like an idiot. Like you know, I, I must be the only person that's dealing with this because even when I posted, I didn't really get any response from anybody else either. All right. So yeah, I mean, the release notes indicated they, you know, we're talking about that. There was a lot of other smaller things that were addressed. I'm not going to go through them. Uh, nothing too major to be worried about. Uh, they address some stuff with dynamic track, and I, I guess even after reading it, I'm probably still confused. Yeah, I read that too just a moment ago, and I'm yeah, I don't think I really don't understand what they're, they're talking about. But I mean, they apparently, depending on the session type, and I guess adjusting as far as the you know how it automatically generates the track state, to, so that if it's you know, in earlier sessions, such as practice, cleaner than later sessions for qualifying and stuff, and then I guess working that in with time of day, and um, I mean, I really haven't noticed anything different. Has anybody else? No. So, the next thing we're going to talk about was this post that was very popular this week about the weather and the temperature swings uh, that we're seeing between sessions, practice, qualifying the race, that kind of thing, even the practice right before the warm-up, right before the race kind of thing, and and how drastic some of those changes can be, you know, 40, 50-degree swing sometimes. And so there's this big, long thread, and one of the guys from iRacing, uh, Daniel Garrison, Jr., you know, tried to explain from their point of view, you know, what they're trying to do. And they, they just, he basically, I'm going to paraphrase here. He basically said, you know, we're randomizing it. Okay. And because you might want to race on December 31st and there's snow on the ground, you know, at that track at that time, we'll, you know, randomize it so it'll pick up some temperature like it's summer, you know, and, and run it. So that's kind of what he's saying. But a lot of people, including me, tried to weigh in and say, look, dude, we're, we're, it's not what we're asking for. You know, we, we want it to be somewhat normal, you know. And, of course, we have people in the, in the thread that, oh, I live in, you know, up in Minnesota, and I have 40-degree temperature swings and stuff like that. Well, we don't have any tracks in Minnesota, you know. So, And, and I tried to, you know, take it a step further. Hey. For the NASCAR iRacing series, you know, what we're trying to do is simulate NASCAR. Why don't we, you know, take the weather and tie it to real weather? So we're going to Daytona this week on Wednesday and Thursday. So why don't they look ahead to Sunday's forecast for the real race the, this coming, or Saturday night, I should say, uh, in Daytona, Florida. You go to weather.com or whatever and look up the, t the, the temperature. And then iRacing, that's what you, they set their practices to, to match what's happening at the real track on the same week of the real race. And, and that way people can look at a forecast and say, okay, practice is going to be colder than it is on qualifying. Or, you know, because I can see there's a, a storm front and it's going away. You know, and, and you could actually look at real weather and dictate how your, you know, how your sets are going to go temperature-wise. Are you following me? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, with the NIS thing, I think it's that's a pretty easy solution. Um, and I don't see why it, it can't be done. I mean, we've, we're not running during the middle of winter, so there's there's no issue there. I mean, if we're going to try to to mop this off, you know, the NASCAR Spring Cup Series. There's no reason that they can't tie weather into that. And and I don't need to know exactly what it's going to be, but you know, if it's forecasting to be 90 degrees in Daytona, then, you know, have it have a 10, 10 50, maybe a 10 degree temperature change, you know, as far as anywhere from 85 to 95 or something like that to where it'll, it'll, it'll randomize itself in there. 
but there's no reason that we should go to practice at Daytona and one session you're going to get 65 degrees and the next section you're going to get next session you're going to get 98 degrees right and you know and this is you know what's come up in this conversation also is some of I think the biggest issue is is the tires and the the amount of change that any sort of weather is causing with grip um, you know you can get an overcast session and compared to an afternoon clear session and you're talking three to four seconds a lap different like on the on the roadside that's insane you that's know, too much that's, that's, oh yeah people are saying that's too much difference right yeah i mean even i mean we're talking seconds you know two seconds on the oval side at, at times um you know it, it just doesn't change that much i don't believe it i mean when i raced years ago at a short track you know we would practice in the heat of the afternoon and we, we you know we may not run until 9 30 at night and we only picked up maybe three or four tenths that's all we pick up and that's going from practice you know when it's 95 degrees in the blazing sun after the track set in the sun all day long to run in at 9 30 at night when the sun's been down for two hours um you know i i think i think the i don't want to call it dynamic weather because it's not dynamic it's random but i think this is what is showing the flaw in this current tire model to where it's just it's a guessing game yep you know, yep. you hear the same ones back and forth. Oh, well, you just want to have, you know, you can't adjust and you can't do it's That's not the issue. I, I don't want to have to drive the track two completely different ways. It, to me, it, it is completely unrealistic to be, oh, I get a cloudy session, so we're all going to run four seconds a lap quicker. Right. Yeah, and it makes it hard to compare team notes, you know. Uh, somebody practices on Monday. Somebody practices on Tuesday. You can't compare times at all because of that, you know. And and if you took into what I said, if they tied it to the real weather of the real track of the real race weekend, then it's gonna. Everyone's gonna be running something similar. If everybody gets on a practice on Monday, it should be the same as the practice on Tuesday, you know. Or or maybe there's a little variance there. Uh, just for kicks and funds, like five or ten percent, like you say, but not forty percent. <laughs> no, no, and, and uh, again, I, I can deal with the randomness, and that's fine. It, that you know that adds to it, and it, it it's definitely a challenge. I, I just think one, the swings are too big, and two, it's the you know it's the issue with with the grip or the lack thereof when you get into any sort of heat. Um, you know, it, it just it, it doesn't make it fun. I, I mean, I don't like having to build three or four different setups because I don't know what I'm going to get. You know, I mean, if I, you know, I, I swear when they started talking about doing the weather this way, there was a post that they said they were going to look at the average temperature for wherever track it is during normal race conditions and that's what they would use i know that's you what know. i just said i mean that's what they need to do they're obviously not doing that right and but I, like i said i believe when they first announced it that was the talk of what they were going to do right and, and i just don't see that happening and to me it's it's you know it's like a bingo ball uh machine where they just crank it out and it just picks oh look 65 degrees and overcast crank it a few more times oh look 98 degrees track temps 124 it, it, it's insane well, I tell you what, you know, the most popular series in iRacing, we're happy for the most part. You know, it it does match NASCAR and what NASCAR does a lot. But this weather thing has really been an, an issue for a lot of people this season. And, uh, boy, it'd be great if they could address it. Um, it just doesn't seem like – but, you know, when we have these conversations on the forum, the iRacing team members – they don't get it you know they're just not getting what we're talking about so maybe they can hear this and hear the conversation but um the other thing that came up on the forums is david kramer has been a uh, kamer i don't know sure how you say that ceo and founder of iRacing uh has been busy um and uh one of the things that he has been writing about on the forums was some questions or some answers to some questions about asymmetrical handling as far as the cars and torque and in and a chassis twist and stuff like that so like imagine a car taking off on a drag strip 
and they they go real fast with the back tires and spin them and the front lifts and the the left side of the fr front is like sticking up farther than the right side that's because of torque and chassis twist and stuff like that where certain parts of the engine or the transmission uh torque the left side or the right side of the car a little bit differently and causing strange things like that to happen so that's kind of my paraphrasing about what he's been talking about but he talks about it from a very engineering kind of speak way that's a little bit over my head a little bit it's a lot a lot over, over my, my head, head. <laughs> you know but i mean it just goes to show that i mean i had no idea that i mean that the that the cars were modeled i mean down this far into the car you know what i'm saying Right, that's what I'm trying to say here and communicate is what I'm realizing is iRacing does model this behavior. They model these kind of things that happen in the transmission. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, an issue was found as far as, you know, that there, there is a plan to fix it. You know, I, you know paraphrasing, you know, a, a member found that, you know, there's an issue here and Dave, you know, basically said, yes, there's an issue and we'll fix it. But, uh, you know, like Mike said, I mean, he explained it way above my head. It's just to me, it's amazing that, you know, we, how much goes into each virtual car that we drive. And, um, you know, I know it takes a lot of time to, to get each car out. And now you understand that when there's an issue of, you know, one thing to fix something else it's just like a, a real car to some degree you can fix one thing and now all of a sudden that's going to affect something else yeah and you know we always knew that they modeled engines and tires and and chassis but i don't know if i knew they'd modeled drivetrain and this kind of you know very minute kind of detail stuff you know that's pretty amazing it is and i think we're all the other thing that you know, realize from this, I think we're all blessed that we have Dave Kamer to begin with, who's obviously a genius at this stuff. And uh, there's nobody that can write the, this tire code besides him. And uh, thank God we got him. Yep. And let's see, there's been a bunch of posts on the forum about some PayPal issues and people trying to use the store and getting a error 512 message and um you know i think it's the old i racing thing where you just need to get in and clear your cash and apparently they were putting some more servers on but i guess having some internal issues with it distributing the load evenly across the server so still seeing some issues pop up on the forum but um every response from the staff has basically been clear your cash and log out you know log back in and try to get sent to a to a different server so it wasn't a PayPal issue necessarily. It was this the typical web iRacing is slow. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, they they said that it's, it's an iRacing issue. Um, yeah. So. It's, yeah, I think Saturday there was a lot of posts on the forum about the the website being slow uh, for the six hours of the Glen. A lot of people were having trouble getting race getting on and. Yeah, I mean it's that's when you get those big events and. Like we talked before, you know, I think that's why they've started to spread them out and have more options to run them. You know, while it takes away from the uniqueness of the event to some degree, you, you've got to try to spread that load, you know, across a weekend as opposed to just one or two, you know, two sessions or one session. All right. Next up is we got some information that we've had this before, but it, it, it bears repeating. Uh, the LQSPC. Uh, meter that's in the upper corner of the sim. Yeah, you always see the the bars flashing different colors and stuff. Let's remind you what those are. L is latency. That's the top one. The number of milliseconds it takes for data to make a round trip from your computer to the server and back. Q, quality. That's the percentage of network packets that successfully make it from the server to you or vice versa. The latency is this kind of the speed or how slow or fast it is. Quality is does it make it or not. S is called skew. A lot of people call that server, but it's actually called skew. It measures how well your computer is keeping up with the server, though. 
A small amount of skew is not uncommon and is caused by variances in latency. Significant skew is virtually always an indication that your computer is falling behind the server. That is, that is, it is taking the computer more than one second's worth of time to run the simulation forward one second in time. That means your computer falls behind the server, leading to skew between where in time your simulator is compared to the simulated world and the server. Hope that makes sense. Yeah, and, and there's been a bunch of posts um, on the forums with the guys with questions, you know, about the skew, and and I think it just pretty much falls down to, or comes down to, you know, it, if you start to see a high skew, um, you probably need to look at your computer. I mean, it's just the the more complicated the sim gets, the more things they start adding, the graphics and stuff like that. People just they need to take a look and understand that you know you're going to have to do some upgrades and stuff like that. Um, you know, a computer you bought three or four years ago is it's not going to continue to run this game as it evolves. Well, remember, DX9 uses the graphic card more than the pro your CPU. But with DX11, it's just the opposite. It's very CP It's more CPU intensive. Nope, other way around. Oh, is it the yep. other way around? Yeah, other way around. Yeah, DX9 was very CPU. Okay, so it is the um, other way around. Yeah. So, it, but again, you know, if you start to see that skew raising that. You know, you need to look at, at at your hardware. I mean, it's just what it comes down to. Now, there's a couple other meters here that most people don't know about, but I actually have turned this on. You can turn it on yourself by going to your My Documents iRacing folder, App INI, open that up in Notepad, look for CPU meter, and it equals zero. Change it to CPU meter equals one. Save that, relaunch the sim, You'll see a couple additional uh, items there. One is P for page paging. And P is how much does the computer have to swap memory into the SIM away from other programs. The gray bar measures all page faults, both those that need to read from disk and those that don't, while the colored bar measures page faults that require going to disk. So this has to do with memory and hard drive. Uh, C is CPU, and this is how much of your available uh, 1/60th <clears throat> of a second of wall clock time did the sim take to advance the simulation by the same 1/60th of a second? Or how close is the sim to falling behind the server leading to skew? Um, and the, the extra meters I mentioned are called G and R. And what those are is G is, that measures how much time the driver tells it took, excuse me, measures how much time that takes for the GPU to render a frame. And the other one, R, is to rent uh, how much time it takes the renderer to queue up the frame for the graphics card. Yeah, so the CPU and then the, the R and the G, if you've made the switch from DX9 to DX11, you're going to see a lot more activity in the R and the G where your CPU is going to go down. Vice versa, if you're still running DX9, you're going to probably see more CPU than you will R and G, and it's all about how DX11 versus DX9 uses your hardware. Right. So if you switch to DX11 and you see those increase, don't, don't worry. I mean, that's good. Because you know you've you've got if you've got a good graphics card you want to be using what the graphics card's intended for as opposed to with DX9 you know it, again at that point was very CPU dependent so you 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 may have had a super high end graphics card you just weren't using it right and now you're on DX11 you are using it exactly so that forum post uh, is called S bar going red if you want to search for that. Uh, I suggest studying those terms and understanding what they mean. Uh, that can help you diagnose what issues are, you know, as you have them. Um, it's been very helpful for me. All right, our next topic was, uh, I guess we're going to move on to hardware. Uh, yeah, or well, not yet. we were going to talk about the crew chief guy. Yeah, yeah, that's what I want to talk about. Um, it was a post on Facebook that we saw, and it's, uh, it's an office setup. As a crew chief and spotter, this is obviously the dad for his son, Alex Simpson. And, um, you know, when you look at the post, 
we we talk about if you think about an F1 race or stuff like that, they've got the pit boxes and you'll see you know five or six screens going across. Um, well, Dad's got basically the same thing. Um, when you look at the picture going from left to right, he can monitor Alex's tire pressures. He can calculate and change at the next pit stop. He can monitor the track position with pitting and repairs. He's calculating the pit stop entry and exit strategy. He's watching for fuel consumption, uh, lap and sector, the live timing, um, and even even watching video. So and, uh, I believe his son run these, runs in the, the World Championship Series, if that's correct. Yeah, I think he's in the Grand Prix uh, Formula One races so yeah it was interesting a lot of people like wow you know you could do all this oh yeah yeah i mean i mean some of the screens that are you know he's got individual screens for a lot of this stuff and a lot of this is stuff that a lot of us just run you know on a fourth monitor you know even while we're racing so yeah i have all those things on my big monitor so we're kind of you know where i'm crew chiefing for myself but i've got most of the stuff already up you know while i'm running a race so um, but pretty neat, and uh, I think it's really neat to see father son. Even though dad's not driving, he's you know he's actively involved in helping his son, and it's pretty cool. Now, now he doesn't say. Now is his son in the same building or in the same house with him, or is he remote to him? Because oh, you can know. do this stuff remotely uh, if you set it up right. Oh yeah. So uh, you know, our team we've always dreamed of having proper crew chiefs and spotters and stuff, and uh, the problem is, is everybody wants to race, so <laughs> uh, we can't get anybody to not race to to sit down and do this. But boy, you know, how many times would it help you if you had a dedicated crew chief that was looking at all your numbers and and doing this kind of stuff? I think it's almost necessary if you're in one of these big, you know, the Grand Prix races or something. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we talked last week when we had some of the guys from, from uh, One Up. Um, you know, Tyler's there to, to drive the car, and that's what he needs to do. He doesn't need to be worried about making adjustments and stuff like that. He's giving feedback just like a real guy would to, you know, to the crew chief, and he's making changes, you know, for pit stops. Yep. You know, I think yeah, about... Yeah, he's got a different people doing different things, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... You know, there's times when we're running NIS Open and, you know, we're all on team speak together and it's, you know, all right, you know, going to make a pit stop and I'm spouting off, you know, the changes I'm going to make and everybody's listening and we're all throwing ideas back and forth, but we're still having to make all the changes. So sometimes getting on the pit road can be hectic when you start making a bunch of changes. Yeah. And it, that's kind of a hybrid, you know, scenario based on our situation, you know, and I think that's the way a lot of teams probably operate. But, uh, this is neat. It was just kind of neat to see, uh, you know, how somebody's uh, set up to do it, you know. Yep, that's pretty cool. All right. Uh, next up is Tony Gardner, uh, president of iRacing. He uh, posted up, we have ordered the Vive for the engineers, mainly Sean, and they're going to take a look at how hard the integration will be for that. Um, and the Vive is the alternative to the Oculus Rift uh, from another company. Yeah, I think the Vive is being done by HTC. Right. And he said, hopefully not that difficult, and we can do it sooner rather than later. Uh, still sort of wrapping up our Rift integration and some other things with DX11. Now, one of our teammates, uh, Lance uh, Gentles, who's been... Uh, offline for some time. He actually uh, wrote us today and said he got a chance to try this HTC Vive the other day at a friend's house, and he said he cannot wait for iRacing to get integration. It looks like he's going to buy one. Yep, we talked about last week. Uh, just not not there yet. Not for me, no. But uh, Lance is one of those risk takers. He'll probably try it. Uh, all right, it's been about an hour. Let's get to our listener feedback and uh, final thoughts. Uh, we heard from uh, Paul Jennings. Hey, I listened to episode 32 today in the car on the way home from work. Another great show. Thanks, Paul. Uh, we had another one. Uh, no, that was our only listener feedback. So let's jump into final thoughts. Uh, Carlos. Do what? What do you got for final thoughts? I have nothing this week. Let's just say not looking forward. Daytona. I just want to get past this Sonoma, Sonoma like we did. I want to get past Daytona, just get to Kentucky or whatever race is next. 
All right, then. Brad? Uh, pretty much the same boat, you know, get through uh, get through the restrictor plate and hopefully, uh, you know, get out of here with two decent finishes and one and done and, and get on down the road. So not my uh, not my favorite type of racing. And uh, but, uh, you know, it is what it is and we'll do it. We got just like we had to do Sonoma last week. We'll, we'll do Daytona this week. Yeah. And uh, I'm ner- nervous about Daytona. I'm hoping for some top fives and kind of secretly hoping for a win or two. But, uh, you know, I don't want to count those chickens before they hatch. Um, I hope uh, iRacing gets the message on this weather. It doesn't look like they're getting the message. So I hope they can figure that out. So, hey, if you want to interact with us, uh, let us know. Uh, we're on YouTube. To, we're on, you know, we're on Twitch. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Uh, we're on iTunes. We're on Spreaker. Um, you name it. If there's a podcast app or service out there, you can find us. We're iRacers Lounge. So uh, make sure to check us out. See you guys next time. Later. See you. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us at our YouTube channel at iRacers Lounge. Follow on Twitter and Facebook at iRacers Lounge and SoundCloud at iRacers Lounge. See you on the track.